Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. And uh, we will take our text this morning uh, from the most well-known verse in the Bible, and that's verse number 16. John chapter number 3 and verse 16. I'll read that, read that one verse of scripture this morning, and I do want you to listen carefully to, to me. Most of us, if not all of us, could quote this verse this morning, but as I read, I want you to follow along, and uh, there's a danger in letting that which is familiar just be that which is familiar, and uh, so I want us to listen very carefully to the Word of God this morning and listen very carefully to the message, and because it is a familiar verse, I don't want you to uh, turn me off or become disinterested because uh, there's, two, there's two types of people in the service this morning. There's the saved and there's the lost. The saved and the unsaved. And if you're unsaved this morning, you, you, you need to hear every word that I'm going to say. Uh, more importantly, you need to listen to what the Bible says this morning. You need to allow the Spirit of God uh, to convict your heart and show you the way for your eternal forgiveness uh, so that you might be saved. If you are saved this morning, you and I, we need to be reminded of who it is that saved us, uh, why he saved us. And by the way, it's not because of our membership anywhere. It's not because we earned our salvation. It's not because we're good enough. Uh, why he saved us and rejoice in our salvation. So this morning, I'm going to read John chapter number 3 and verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, the gospel in one verse, uh, often called the most uh, famous verse in the Bible, the most important verse in the Bible. This morning, I'm going to use John 3.16. I want to preach on uh, this thought, the significance of John 3.16. The significance of John 3.16. I believe as a Christian this morning, you and I will be reminded of the significance if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, uh, you're going to get an understanding of the significance of John 3.16. I trust that you'll make the right decision today. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray this morning that the Word of God would be very real to us. I pray this morning that uh, your Son would be very real to us. The Spirit of God would work in our hearts this morning. Now, Father, while it's been many, many years and decades, and as a child my mind can go back uh, the conviction I felt, the best I could understand, that I was a sinner and on my way to hell for my sin. And Father, I'm thankful uh, that I was showed that the Lord Jesus Christ paid that price for me and all I had to do was believe on Him. And Father, I pray this morning that uh, while I don't have that conviction of uh, being lost and on my way to hell, may I uh, have, a, have a, 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 an increased appreciation of what Christ did for me. Father, I pray that your people would be strengthened today by this reminder. But, Father, I also pray this morning uh, with a burdened heart that if there's one unsaved, uh, may they not let uh, the familiarity of John 3.16 uh, shadow the meaning of John 3.16. And, Father, may uh, your spirit have his way this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I imagine that there's a year's worth of messages that can be preached from John chapter 3 and verse 16. Uh, there's a lot that can be said about this verse of Scripture. Many who know nothing about the Bible are familiar with John 3.16. They may not be familiar with all that John 3.16 says, but they're familiar with John 3.16. Uh, 
And this morning, as we think of the significance of John 3.16, there are, uh, this is probably the most famous verse in the Bible, but to me, that's not why it's significant. And this morning, I want to remind us of why it is significant. I'm going to be very practical this morning. I'm going to read and not give you time to turn to it, but I'm going to quote and read a lot of scripture this morning to help us understand the significance of John uh, John 3.16. But it's not significant because it's the most famous verse in the Bible. It's the most famous verse in the Bible because of its significance. Uh, I, I was thinking of the verse John 3.16 and you, you know, that verse, John 3, 16, it makes an appearance at the most unlikeliest of places. Um, you know, uh, all you got to do is say John three sixteen and you're a Christian. All you got to do is hold up a sign and say John three sixteen and, and, you're, and you're a Christian. But besides that, isn't it amazing that John three sixteen shows up at the most unlikeliest of places? Uh, it, it shows up at sporting events. Uh, it shows up on T-shirts. Uh, it shows up on... Uh, different paraphernalia like bracelets and things. It shows up on uh, social media posts. It shows up on bumper stickers. John 3.16 shows up in the most unlikeliest of places, but that's not why it's significant. Let me tell you why it is significant to me. And if you have a full understanding of what John 3.16 is talking about this morning, it's probably significant to you for the same reason. Let me tell you why I believe it's significant, because... As you study the Word of God, I believe it teaches us that this is why it is significant. John 3.16 is not significant because it's the most famous or most well-known verse in the Bible. It's not significant because it makes appearances at the most unlikeliest of places. John 3.16 is significant because of one word, and that's the word love. It is ingrained in man to love, but a strong desire to be loved. John 3.16 is significant because of the fact that love is available. And when I say love this morning, because I'm going to talk much about love this morning, I'm not talking about the world's definition of love. And usually when the world speaks of love, they speak of like or lust or of convenience That's not a Bible definition of love, and it's certainly not God's definition of love. So when I speak of the word love this morning, you're going to have to be very careful not to think of the world's definition, because the world's definition of love is a fickle love. It's a changing love. It's a love that says, if you love me, then I'll love you. That's not God's definition of love. Because God loves the unlovable. God loves the undeserving. God's love toward us cannot be changed under any circumstance. When I think of the significance of John 3.16, certainly it is significant because of the word love. To the person who is so, so, so jaded by life and so bitter or whatever else is going on in their life that says, I don't need anybody and I don't, I don't need anybody else's love, uh, they, are, they are lying to themselves because everybody has a desire to be loved. This morning, I want us to think of John 3, 16, uh, specifically through the, the word love. It is significant because of that word. And those of you that have experienced this love this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, 
to be loved. Everyone has a desire to be loved. But this morning, I want us to notice several things about this verse with the significance of John 3.16 in mind. Because the truth I'm going to point out this morning is going to give some clarity to what makes it so significant. Why is the love that is expressed in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, why is it so significant? I think we can give some clarity to that this morning. Let me say, first of all, when we think of the significance of John 3, 16, we must first consider, number one, the source of the love. Love is not just some mystical, magical thing that floats through the air. Love originates somewhere. I have a love for my wife. That is a love from me to her. If you have a love for someone, that, that it has to originate. If you are loved by someone, what makes it significant is, significant is where the love comes from. See, the true value of the love is due to the source of the love. It means less to you for a complete stranger to walk up to you and say, I love you, than it does for somebody you know and love. It is the source of the love that is so significant. Psalms chapter number 8 and verse number 4 says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Then you look at our text this morning, For God so loved. God is love. Have we heard that statement before? We know it to be true. It's one of the attributes that we, 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 we give to God and we know about God. God is love. But He not just is love. That love is directed very specifically. And what makes John 3.16 so significant is the fact that the love that we experience, it's who it comes from. It comes from the Almighty God. It is one thing for us to say we love another. It's a, another thing for us to say that the God of heavens loves us. This morning, I can stand here and with a thankful heart, I can give a testimony that I have a wife that loves me. I have children that love me. I have parents that love me. I have, I'm assuming, a church family that loves me. And I can go on and on and on and talk about how a blessed man I am that I have people that love me. But it's a whole different thing. What do you think of a God who loves me? Don't get me wrong. I like the love that I get from those that I love. But you think about a God, what makes it significant? What makes that word significant is the fact that that love, the source of that love, is the Almighty God. Who is He? He's the Creator. Genesis 1-1 reminds us that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I hate to break it to those that have been reared or have gone through recently our public school system. You did not evolve from a monkey. You did not just appear here one day. There is a God in heaven who one day crafted this world. He crafted your life. He gave you life. He chose, He designed you in His perfect mind. His his perfect will, and gave you life. Who is it that loves the world? It is the creator of all things that loves the world. So when we say God so loved, what's significant about John 3, 16? It's the word love. But it's not just the word love as the world speaks of love. It's because 
It's the source that it comes from. You think of a God as a holy God. God is not measured by holiness. Holiness is measured by God. And we get a definition of holiness because we understand who God is. Holiness derives from God. He is the perfect, the almighty, the pure, the holy one. Joshua 24, verse 19, he reminds the people, for he is an holy God. That is who God is. God is not one of the guys. God is not some, some, some statue fashioned by man. God is a holy God, a righteous God, and sits on his throne giving judgment. So we think of the significance of John 3.16 and that word love. It is significant because of the source of the love. There's a God who is holy. Can I tell you something this morning? Can I remind all of us of something this morning? If God did not love us, it, he would still, we would still be in need of worshiping him, obeying him, because he's created us. Because he's the holy one. But can I tell you, we have a God who is not neutral in his heart toward you and I. We have a God that is not jaded by the, the disappointment of this world. We have a God who in his holiness, in his perfection, he wanted all man to know that I love you and that the love is valuable, valuable because of the source. There are some people in this world, we don't care whether they love us or not. But can I tell you how much value we have in the fact that we have a God who loves us? To those who don't even believe there is a God, God loves them. Those who reject God, God loves them. Oh, this morning we find significance in the word love. We find significance in the word love in John 3, 16, but it is because of the source of the love. I hope that in future days when we read this verse of Scripture or we hear it quoted or, or we see somebody hold up a sign that says John 3, 16, we'll think of that word love and we'll be reminded that it's significant, not just because love is in the verse, but because there's a God from whom all love flows. There's a God who that love originates with before I ever feel uh, the recipient of His love. Uh, there is a source that it springs from. There is a source that it starts with, and it's the creator of all things. It is the God of the universe. It is the one who has created us all. It is the Holy One of Israel. It is Jehovah God. And this verse is significant to me because it tells me that God loves me. It should be significant to you because it tells you God loves you. Whether you've grown up for church or this is the first time you've ever darkened the doors of a church, the verse applies to all. God loves you. It's significant also because we see, second of all, we see the recipient of love. Who is that recipient? It's man. For God so loved the world. He loved all. He didn't just love a certain group. He didn't just love a certain class of people. He didn't just love those who are of a certain race or of a certain creed. For God so loved the world. If you are a man 
If you are mankind this morning, let me tell you something. You've got somebody who loves you. You've got someone, not just someone, the someone loves you. The one that if everybody else in this world stopped loving you, would still love you. The, the one who no matter the circumstances, uh, he sits, today he sits on his throne, he see he's above all things, and he has love for the world. This verse is significant, not because of how well known it is, it is significant because of the word love and not just significant because of where that love comes from, but it is also significant to you and I because of who receives the love. Who's the recipient of the love? And that's mankind. I love this verse of Scripture. It's got a couple of applications this morning with Psalms 103 verse 14. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are as dust. I love that verse because when I fail, I remind myself, God knows what I am. He knows I'm flesh. He, he, he knows I'm never going to be able to overcome completely this flesh until I drop this robe of flesh. And I get a glorified body one day. But I'm reminded that He knows what I am. But I'm also reminded that when in eternity, before He ever spoke this world into existence, in the eternal record of heaven, before John 3.16 has ever been pinned on a t-shirt, it was pinned in heaven. For God so loved the world... Knowing I'm dust, knowing I would be dust, He still loved me. He still loved you. He still sent His Son to die for you. It's, this word is significant. This verse is significant because the fact that mankind is the recipient of love. See, see love has no value if somebody doesn't receive it. Well, I've just got love in my heart. Well, who's the recipient of that love? If, no, if, if they're not the recipient of that love, you don't have love in your heart. And God, who is love, who embodies love, directs that love at those that He is reminded are but dust. Lest we think we're very special this morning, how common is dust? Oh, just think about your house right now. How common is dust? It is so common that it's everywhere. It's so common that you can go through your house and get rid of it, and it's back the next week. It is common. It is insignificant, and there's nothing special about it. It's dirty. Well, I've got dust all over me. So what do you do? You clean the dust off. There's nothing good you and I would say about dust. Nobody. Can you imagine a young couple going and visiting, visiting how they're going to buy their first house, and they go and they get shut all these houses, and so they discuss it, and they say, Oh, I like this one. And I like this about this one. This one had the most dust. I think that would be the best value for us. 
Oh no, that would be the reason why you don't pick that one. There's nothing good that we think of dust. There's no value to us in dust. Let that sink in for just a moment. We know how we treat dust when we encounter it. God reminds us in the book of Psalms, He remembers we are but dust. And yet you connect that with John 3, 16, the God above all things, the God who created all things, the, the Holy One, the Omniscient One, the Omnipresent One, the One who, who is all-powerful. He remembers and He acknowledges that we are but dust. But then He says, I love that dust. My love is directed at those individuals. And we must acknowledge the significance of being the recipient of the love of God. But we can go on this morning. The fact that we're not just here members, we are but dust. He remembers that we are sinners. And friend, this is the realization that even if you've been saved for a long time, you and I need to be reminded of this morning. And if you've never been saved, you need to be reminded of it, especially this morning. We are all sinners. We have a sinful heart. We have a sinful nature. And it is because of Adam, that first man, that sin nature is passed down. And you and I are all guilty because of our sin. Sin is an offense against God. Sin is a wrong that is done. Every sin offends God, is against God. And you and I need to be reminded what Romans 3.10 says this morning. As it is written, there is none righteous. And as if God knew there'd be some who would hear that quoted this morning and say, well, I, I think I am. He adds to that, no, not one. You're not the exception. How many people throughout history have been confronted with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the realization that you need to realize that you're a sinner? They say, oh, no, that's not me. Oh, no, I'm not as bad as anyone else. Well, the scripture says, God says, not one person is righteous in my sight. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. I love my church family this morning, and this is the greatest people in the world to me, but every one of us are sinners. For all have sinned, and because of that, we come short of the glory of God. God looks at man and knows we're sinners. God looks at man when he's unlovable. And says, I love them. God looks at us when we reject the love. And says, I love you anyway. Oh, the John 3.16 is significant. It's significant because of the word love, but it is significant because of who the recipient of love is. Friend, this morning, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your quote-unquote religious background is, you are a recipient of the love of God. And on our lowest of days, we ought to be encouraged because we can say, God loves me. I love the fact that I can say God loves everybody. And this morning, I want to send that message of hope and encouragement and a reminder to all of us today who are here, who are listening online, God loves you. That's a message I love to share. But can I tell you something I like a little bit better? God loves me. 
I'm glad he loves you, but I'm really glad that he loves me this morning. It's the Almighty who has that love for the world. You think of the love of man. You think of your spouse today, the husband and wife, and that love that you have for one another. Let this point I'm going to make sink in. They, you, you love one another, and your husband or wife knows things about you that other people doesn't, don't know. And they still love you. You think of the parent-child or relative relationship. There are things you know about each other. That's why you have that unwritten rule. It goes on in our home. We don't talk about it other places. Because you know things about one another that nobody else knows, and you still love one another. Let this sink in. God knows things about you nobody else knows. And He still loves you. God knows things about you you don't ever want anybody else to know. And God still loves you. This verse is significant because of the word love. This love is significant because of who the recipient of this love is. We must go on this morning to number three. The significance of John 3.16, we are reminded of the expression of love. Something that's very obvious to me with this verse of Scripture is that God says it, but He doesn't just say it. He showed it. See, God's not like man. Man says it, but man has a hard time showing it. God said it and He showed it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave. Love is not selfish. This love that is in this world today that says, if you do for me, then I'll love you. If you love me first, then I'll love you back. That's not love. Love is, I'll give to you. I'll express it to you. And He gave to you and I. He gave to the world. He didn't give this morning a what, but He gave a who. Notice what the Scripture says. He gave His only begotten Son. The most valuable thing to God the Father is His only begotten Son. The only one who could show the real love that God had in His heart for that which He considers dust, that which He fashioned with His own hand, the only love, the only one that could truly express the love of God was His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 19.10 tells us, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We ought to be reminded this morning, and let's not forget that we're man is, as a man, we're a sinner. We sin unto God. Our sin offends God. Because of that sin, we are separated from God. 
God cannot have sin in His presence. There is a punishment for sin, and we'll talk about that for just, in just a moment. But God, knowing man is separated from Him because of sin, and God still loving man in His sin, and in spite of His sin, expressed His love by, the only one, by giving the only one who could do something about it. Romans 5.8, can we be reminded this morning, it says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While. Hey, this idea that false religion propagates today that you got to get cleaned up or you can do something and then God will accept you. you you'll never get clean enough. I'm so thankful that the scripture says, while we were yet sinners, he loved us and he died for us. Boy, the significance continues to play out as we think of the expression of love, giving of, of his only son and Christ's coming to be the payment for our sins. Romans 6.23 goes on to remind us, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to think about this, and this ties in with the significance of the source of the love. The thing that God would give us a gift of eternal life. The thing that God would give us and grant us forgiveness for our sins the thing that God would give us, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, that very thought ought to drive us to our knees today. The very thought that we've received a gift from God, and that's literally all we have to do is, is receive that gift, and it is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The expression is the granting of the gift. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 reminds us, and being formed and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient under death, even unto the death of the cross. The Lord Jesus did not just come to make an appearing. The Lord Jesus fashioned himself as a man and went to the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. He went to the cross so that those sins that we have committed could be covered by His blood. This is why John 3.16 is considered the gospel in one verse because we're reminded of the love of God. We're reminded at, of what we are as just man, but we're also reminded of this expression of love, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, the Lord Jesus said. There's a lot of people today who know of God, but they don't know Him personally because they're depending on a church, they're depending on their righteousness, they're depending on something else to, to, to know God. You cannot get back to God because of your sin without the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way to access Him. There's no way to get to Him. And God knew that and loved us enough and expressed that love by giving the one who could bridge the gap between fallen man and a holy God. As we consider this morning with just a few more minutes we have, 
this word love. And we've seen the source of the love, and this is why it's significant. We've seen this morning the recipient of the love, and friend, you ought to feel loved this morning by your God. We've seen the significance because of the expression of the love, and that expression was by giving the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want to close with this final thought this morning. We find the result of the love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning you may say, Pastor, what is the result of that love? Well, you find it at the end of verse 16. You find the choice between perishing or everlasting life. While we are guaranteed of God's love this morning, the guarantee that God's love brings is a choice for all men to make. All men are loved by God. All men have a choice whether to accept or reject that love by God. I am encouraged, I am comforted this morning that no matter my response to God, He's going to love me unconditionally. But when it comes to that choice, when it comes to the recipient, and yes, He loves all men, and Jesus is the expression, the result of that love is we have a choice. We have a choice between perishing or everlasting life. Now, on the surface, that's a very easy choice to make. But it's not just a matter of wishing perishing away and wishing for eternal life. There's an acceptance of God's terms to His choice. Now you say, if God really loved us, He would just grant us all eternal life. Well, that may sound good and that may pass in in, in other quote-unquote denominations and those that teach false teaching, but that's not the reality of it. Because, friend, because I do love you this morning, I will tell you that because of your sin, you deserve nothing but hell. Because of my sin, I deserve nothing but hell. And anybody who does not go to hell has experienced the mercy and love of God. In the fact that when I deserve eternal damnation, you deserve eternal condemnation, that God would love us enough to say, I'm going to give you a choice. You don't have to pay for your own sins. Oh, don't ever use the statement, well, a loving God would never send anybody to hell. The fact that God is a loving God, He grants us a choice. I don't deserve a choice. You don't deserve a choice. No man that's ever lived has ever deserved a choice. But we have a God who loves us enough to say, I'm even expressing that love. I'm giving you the love whether you deserve it or not. All you have to do is choose between perishing and everlasting life. We have an opportunity to believe. What a great gift God has granted us.
Acts chapter 16, verse 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. That does not believe, that is not saying just believe he exists. You have to put that in contact, context with the gospel. You have to believe that you're a sinner. You have to believe that there's a punishment for your sins. You have to believe that you can't save yourself. And that is, is by the applied blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, His sacrifice. I'm believing that Christ took care of it all. And you shall be saved. Romans 10 verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word whosoever is a great word. Whoever, for God so loved the world, whosoever, that's anyone who would call on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. I think of Christ's crucifixion and the fact that He was crucified between two thieves. Those that would crucify our Lord and well, it gives great significance because my mind goes to standing where it is believed that he was actually crucified and getting that mental picture in your mind. And our Lord hung on a cross between two thieves. And those that would crucify him and mock him and blaspheme him and, and nail him to that tree and those two thieves who deserve their punishment hang on either side of a perfect, a perfect God, the Son of God, the, the righteous one, the holy one, the man who had never committed a sin, God the Son. They, in their sin, hung on either side of the perfect Lamb of God. And you have one thief who joined in with the blasphemy. One thief who married his unbelief with the unbelief of the mob who chanted, crucify him, crucify him. That is on one side of our Savior's cross. And the thief who in his sins was paying for his penalty, rejected and denied that the person being crucified next to him was the gift of God. Yet you have another, another who hangs on the cross on the other side of him, who believes, who believes that the man hanging next to him is not just the man, he's the God man. He believes, he knows in his heart, he deserves to be crucified there. But this one being crucified next to him, he is not worthy of this. I believe he is the Son of God. And with that context, let me give you the words of Jesus found in Luke 23, verse 43. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. That one on the cross didn't have time to get baptized. Because I got news for you this morning. Baptism don't save you. He didn't have time to clean up his life. 
I've got news for you this morning. Clean up your life isn't going to save you. He didn't have time to join the church or take the sacrament. I got news for you this morning. Those that would say this is the way to heaven, either they're lying or my Savior's lying. Because Jesus said, today, thou wilt be with me in paradise. Because I'm reminded of what the book of 2 Corinthians says, to be absent from the bodies, to be present from the, with the Lord. And the moment that that criminal, that moment that one nailed to the cross, took his last breath because he realized the love of God. Because he realized that he was a recipient of that love. Because he realized he was in the presence of the expression of that love from God. He chose eternal life instead of perishing. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor, he died. That's not the perishing I'm talking about. I'm talking about spending all of eternity paying for your own sins in that place of eternal judgment. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus said, today, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Unbelief is denying the opportunity that God has presented. John 3.16 is a significant verse because of the hope it brings. Why do we have hope? Because of love. Because of God's love. John 3.16 is a great verse of hope this morning. And I want to remind each and every person who's already come to that place in their life, they can go back to a place in their mind and say, this is when I was under conviction. This is when the Spirit of God told me and convinced me that if I died today without Christ, I'd die and go to a devil's hell. And I knew, I knew the best I could understand. I, I knew that if I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I'd be forgiven and I would go to heaven. And oh, this verse brings our mind back to that, the love of God. This is a verse of hope. Hey, Pastor, if you could only give one verse of scripture, only one preach one verse of scripture for the rest of your life and the rest of your ministry, what verse would you, you preach? I'd preach John 3:16. If you could only give man one verse of scripture, what verse would you give him? I'd give him John 3:16. It's the gospel in a nutshell. It's a gospel in a verse. It's a verse of hope. But tucked in the midst of all of the hope is the reality of condemnation for those who reject the love. Revelation 20.15 tells us, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How could a loving God send anybody to hell? A loving God doesn't send anybody to hell. Loving God sent His Son so a man wouldn't have to go to hell. And man will go to hell one day because they rejected the love of God. You might recover from rejecting man's love. But no man will ever recover from rejecting the love of God. You might can get on with your life and survive without the love of man. 
Our mind cannot even imagine how horrible eternity will be having rejected the love of God. Verse 18 of John 3 puts verse 16 in more context. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. This morning, we see the significance of John 3.16. If you're saved this morning, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, if you're believing on, on, on Christ, payment on Calvary, and nothing else, you know you're saved, forgiven on your way to heaven, this morning I'll be a good reminder of how much God loves us. You may be facing an obstacle today. You may be carrying a burden today. And you may put into question the love of God, and you're wrong in doing it. We all do it. Because we have documentation that God loved us when He sent His Son. He loved you enough to save you from hell. He'll love you enough to get you through that valley. If He loved you enough to give His only begotten Son, if He loved you enough to express that love, he loves you enough to get you through whatever it is that you're facing today. Friend, this morning, if you're here and you don't know for certain your sins have been forgiven, the Lord sent me to this pulpit today to remind you of the most significant verse in the Bible. Maybe you've heard it this morning, read and explained in a way you've never heard it before. Let me tell you, God loves you. He loved you enough to send this message today. He loved you enough that even knowing that you're dust and knowing that you're sinner, He said, I'm sending my son to die for their sins. And I love the fact that He died for the whole world, but if it had just been you, He would have sent His son to die for your sins. He expressed His love. Now it comes down, God did what was necessary for salvation. It just simply comes down to your choice. The choice is not whether or not, whether you're going to be a Methodist or a Baptist. The choice this morning is not whether you're going to be a church member or a non-church member. The, church, the choice this morning is whether or not you're going to perish or have eternal life. Experience forgiveness or go through life unforgiven. The choice is whether or not you'll spend eternity in heaven or you'll spend it in hell. The love expressed gives us the opportunity to choose. I have never regretted choosing everlasting life. We can't even imagine what heaven's like. I've got family there. I've got a daughter there. I would dare say most of us have got somebody in heaven. I can't even imagine what it's like. Can you? Some of you and I often say, hey, I pre as to, to many this morning, I've already said I appreciate you being here because I know the struggle it takes for you to get here. 
because that old body don't work like it used to work. I know your kids, and it's like herding cats, getting them out the door. But you know in heaven there's no aches this morning? There's no pain. There's no cancer. There's no high blood pressure. Perfection. You know there's no sadness in heaven. There's no sorrow. There's no broken hearts. There's no tears. We try and imagine that. Our minds cannot even comprehend it. I like to think sometimes about how wonderful heaven is. We can't imagine how wonderful heaven is. But we really can't understand or imagine how horrible hell is either. When that final judgment takes place and all men who've ever lived, they're going to spend their eternity in heaven, they're going to spend it in hell. One is going to be in that place of perfection, the other is going to be in that place of eternal suffering. There couldn't be a more, more of a contrast. Opposite ends of the spectrum. But I promise you, one thing will be true of everybody, no matter they spend that, their eternity in heaven or they spend it in hell. Their mind will be on God's love. Those in heaven will experience it for all of eternity. Those in hell will be reminded of how they rejected it for all of eternity. Friend, this morning, if you're not saved, I encourage you, let somebody show you from the Bible, is it what I, again, what I said this morning. In just a moment, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to close our eyes. All you've got to simply do is you've got to acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner. You acknowledge the fact that you deserve hell. You can't do anything about it. And God in His love, knowing you're a sinner, knowing all the things you've done, knowing how it offends Him, expressed His love to you by sending His Son to pay for your sins. And when He was on that cross, He became sin for all mankind. He gave His life. Three days later, He came victorious from that grave, having conquered death and hell. And all man has to do is say, I believe He paid that payment for me. I believe He paid my sin debt. I put my trust in what Christ has done, not in church membership, not in my own goodness. I believe, John 3, 16, and I choose... eternal life instead of perishing. Father, I pray this morning 